Well, hey, everybody, welcome to The Crossing today, and happy Mother's Day to all of our fantastic moms. I think being a mom is one of the hardest jobs in the world, but during this 24-hour-a-day stay-at-home mandate, it's created even more challenges. I ran across one mother's experience. Here's what she writes. She says this. She says, I was making several calls in the family room where my three-year-old daughter, Adriana, and my five-month-old son, Nathan, were playing quietly. Now, Nathan loves Adriana, who's been learning how to mother him gently since the time of his birth. I suddenly realized the children were no longer in view. I was panic-stricken, so I quickly got off the phone and began looking for them. I searched down the hall and around the corner where I found the children playing cheerfully in Adriana's room. Relieved and upset, I shouted, Adriana, you know you're not allowed to carry Nathan. He's too little, and you could hurt him if he fell. Startled, she said, well, I didn't, Mommy. Well, knowing that he couldn't crawl, I asked, well then, how did he get all the way into your room? And she just confidently replied, I rolled him. Now, so for every mom out there who's trying to manage Zoom calls while being a math and a science teacher, a PE teacher, and now you're trying to learn how to cut hair as well. Whatever season you find yourself in, we celebrate you today. Well, the other day, Darla and I just wanted to get out of the house. So we decided to take a drive, and we stopped by the Starbucks drive-thru on the way out. And the line at the Starbucks drive-thru must have been 10 or 15 cars long. And Darla saw that look on my face, which was, I'm not about to wait in that line. To which she said, what else do we have to do? So we waited. We all hate waiting. We hate waiting in the drive-thru, even though there's nothing else to do. We hate waiting while Netflix is buffering and we're wondering when our show is going to start. We hate waiting for someone to reply to our text messages. We're looking at the bubbles thinking, why aren't you responding? Waiting can be one of the most difficult things to do in life. And today, we sit in our homes and we wait. We wait for businesses and schools to reopen. We wait for churches to reopen, for our small groups to meet again. We wait for haircuts and workouts. The fact is, many of you have been in a season of waiting long before this COVID-19 shutdown. Maybe you're waiting and hoping to have a child. You're waiting for someone to change. You're waiting for the treatments to be effective. You're waiting for someone to come into your life. You're waiting for the Dallas Cowboys to win another Super Bowl. I hope you have a lot of time to wait. Well, today, we're going to encounter two people who are in a season of waiting. A woman who's been waiting on God for 12 years. And a dad and mom who are waiting for Jesus to show up, and it can't happen fast enough. Well, we're in part four of the series that we're calling Marked, that whenever someone came in contact with Jesus, 
They were marked by him. They were impacted by his life. And in this series, we're walking through the gospel of Mark. This gospel is the account of Jesus as written down by John Mark. Now, John Mark was not one of the 12 disciples. He may have been an eyewitness of Jesus, but all of his information had come from Simon Peter. And you'll see that nothing happens in his gospel where Peter is not present. And today, we're going to see how Jesus responds to those who find themselves in a season of waiting. And we're going to pick today's encounter up in Mark chapter 5. Here's what it says. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, it's talking about the Sea of Galilee here, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. Now Jairus, he's a synagogue leader which means that his job was to direct the services and the activities of the Jewish synagogue. And because of this, he's wealthy, he's respected in the community. And what happens here is Jairus is risking his position by coming to Jesus for help. What are people going to think about him? What are they going to say about him if he comes to Jesus? But he doesn't care about any of that. Because he's a desperate father. And I'm just making this up. But maybe his wife said to him, I don't care what people say about you. Go get Jesus and don't come home without him. If you're a mom or a dad, you know that there is nothing more painful than watching your kids suffer. That kind of desperation, it overrides your pride. Well, it goes on to say that a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's crowds that want to get near him. There's no such thing as social distancing in that time. This crowd was full of people trying to get close to Jesus. And Jairus is just trying to get Jesus through the crowd before his daughter dies. Says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So compare these two. You have a synagogue leader and you have a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years and is therefore considered unclean. He leads the synagogue and she's not allowed in the synagogue. And both are desperate for God to show up. Sometimes we have in our mind that those who are super spiritual or those who have lots of money don't go through the same things that we go through. It doesn't matter if you feel close to God right now or you think that God wouldn't want to have anything to do with you. You might find yourself in a season of waiting. It says that when she heard about Jesus, 
she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. This woman has had some sort of uterine bleeding for 12 years and she gets this crazy idea. If I can just touch him, maybe I will be healed. If I, if I can just touch him, maybe I will be healed. And she is having this imaginary conversation with herself. I want you just to imagine this scene. She's saying to herself, if I can touch his clothes, I will be healed. If I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. What do you tell yourself in your desperate moments? Because sometimes we say to ourselves, it's never going to get better. I've struggled for too long. My marriage is too broken. My finances are too wrecked. My child's heart is too hard. My business, it's never going to recover. What do you do in the waiting? You do what this woman did. You begin to speak faith into your heart. This is why I want you to memorize Scripture. Because you can take the truth of that Scripture and speak it into your heart. And that's what God uses to begin to, to change us when we put his word into our heart. Well, it says this in verse 30. It says, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. Doesn't that just make you want to ask a hundred questions? What's that mean power came out of him? He turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people were crowding around you. His disciples answered, and you ask, who touched me? The disciples are like, are you crazy? Who touched me? Jesus, there's 50 people touching you right now. The crowds are crushing against you. We need to get you to Jairus' house. But Jesus had felt power leave him. See, this was different than just the crowd's touching him and being around him. Well, as Jesus is asking who it was, finally this woman comes forward and Jesus calls her daughter. I love this because maybe it's been a long time since anyone referred to her with this kind of tenderness. And he said to her, he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You can almost feel the anxiety of Jairus at this moment, wanting to get Jesus to his house before his daughter dies. And it doesn't say this, but I wonder if he's thinking, this lady's had this issue for 12 years, but my daughter will die if you don't come right now. But I wonder if Jesus is trying to increase the faith of Jairus. Jairus gets to see how Jesus heals this woman, which would have increased his faith. See, this is how community works. When I see how God is working in your life, it strengthens my faith. And when you see how God is working in my life, it strengthens your faith. As Jesus is talking to this woman, Jairus' worst fear happens. Some people show up and they tell Jairus 
that his daughter is dead. And they tell him, don't bother the teacher anymore. Talk about desperation. But Jesus has a word for him. It says, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Don't be afraid. See, there is a lot of fear that happens in the waiting. Remember, Peter is the one who's telling Mark about this event. And, and I think Peter's the one, I was there. I could see with my own eyes how Jesus healed this little girl. And so they go to the house with Jairus. And it says that he took the child's father and mother. And just the tenderness of that moment, having the mom and dad witness what's about to happen. And the disciples who are with them, this is, this is Peter, James, and John. And he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha koam, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. You have a woman who's been suffering for 12 years and you have a little girl who's 12 years old. One's been waiting for years and this mom and dad who don't have any longer to wait and neither of them go unnoticed. In the midst of the crowds, Jesus makes sure that desperate people don't go unnoticed. He stops for them. He engages with them. If you are in a waiting period in your life, you don't go unnoticed either. Whether you've been waiting for years or something has just happened and you don't have any more time to wait, your waiting does not go unnoticed by God. So maybe the question that we have is how do you wait? How do you wait? We've all seen people get frustrated with God and decide to take their situation into their own hands and they end up making bad decisions or they just give up. They walk away from God. But there is another way to wait that increases your faith. And I wanna give you two phrases that I believe will help you. That these two phrases, if you can begin to put them into your life, this will begin to help you in your waiting moments. It's this right here. It's to wait actively and live dependently. To wait actively and live dependently. Just because you are in a waiting season doesn't mean you do nothing. You wait actively. You keep doing the right thing while you wait. You honor God where you are right now. In the midst of the waiting, we say, God, I'm submitting myself to your timing. Instead of trying to force God to make something happen, you wait on God. But it may mean that you have to lay down your pride. See, what we see with both these people that Peter tells us about is they had to lay down their pride. Jairus, he's the synagogue ruler. He's the one that everyone comes to 
when they needed help. And he has to admit that he can't do it any longer. He laid down his pride. He laid down what everyone else would think of him. This woman, she's considered unclean. She's not allowed to touch anyone or they will become unclean. She is suffering physically. She's suffering financially. It says that all of her money was gone. And she's suffering spiritually. But whatever pride she has, she lays it down and she takes the risk to come to Jesus. Let me just, let me just push on some of you right now. The hardest part of what you're going through is to admit that you need help. And perhaps God is pushing you to lay down your pride. And maybe you need to ask someone else to enter into the waiting with you. We wait actively. And here's the second part of this. We live dependently. This means that you don't rush ahead of God. You trust God and his timing. God does not move at our pace. He does not do our bidding for us. So we continue to live depending on God, even if, even if he does not come through like we want him to. You might be tempted to just go ahead without God, but waiting on God means that you continue to live in that submission to him. You live dependently on God. But I also believe that we're dependent on each other. Christianity is a one another faith. Christianity is not an on your own kind of faith. It was about 20 years after the resurrection. Peter will reflect back on what God does during the waiting. He will speak hope into us when we don't see beyond our present circumstances. Here's what Peter will write in his book, 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, And the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, because this is what waiting sometimes feels like, and maybe what you're going through, you are suffering right now. He says, But after having suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God promises to not only restore your soul, but to use this period of waiting to make you strong, firm, and steadfast. As part of the series, we're memorizing a verse each week. And like I've told you, the reason for that is when you find yourself going through hard times, when you find yourself suffering, like it talked about, that God brings these scriptures to our mind to encourage us. And so this week, I chose our memory verse out of Psalm chapter 40. This is a psalm that, that King David wrote. I just love the way that it says this, that he says this. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. You can just see this in your mind, that I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry. And so I want us to say this together. So let's just say this. 
You can say this in your living room. I'm going to say this here by myself in this auditorium. Let's just say this together. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Let's say this one more time. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. One of the things that I love about our story today is the woman who was speaking faith to herself. She was just talking to herself, speaking faith in herself. And I want to do that for you. I want to speak faith into your life right now. Because some of you, you need this. Just because the doctors can't do it, doesn't mean that Jesus can't do it. Just because you don't know where your next paycheck is going to come from, doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't know where your next paycheck is going to come from. Just because you can't fix it, doesn't mean that Jesus can't fix it. Just because you can't heal your marriage, doesn't mean that Jesus can't heal your marriage. Just because you haven't been able to overcome an addiction, doesn't mean that Jesus can't overcome an addiction. Just because you haven't gotten married, doesn't mean that you won't get married. We wait actively and we live expectantly. What both of these people in our story did is they came to Jesus. And what they found is that Jesus was enough. And what you will find is that Jesus is enough as well. In one way or another, we are all in a season of waiting right now. I can tell you firsthand that Jesus is enough. That I've been in those waiting seasons. I've been with my kids as they are suffering with health issues. I've walked through people who have incredible hurts that they're going through in their life. And the choice that they had and the choice that we have is, is that you right now, if you're going through a season of waiting, you can go through this season with God or you can move forward without God. But you can't do both. And my prayer is that you will wait with God. And for those of you who don't have a relationship with Him, you can begin that today, right now. And I want to pray for you. I just believe that some of you are ready to say yes to Jesus. You're finally ready. And maybe it had to take this COVID-19 pandemic for you to come to this place in your life, to humble yourself, to, to come to Jesus or to come back to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I, I say yes to your love. I say yes to your grace. I say yes to your power to get me through this season of waiting. And so I want to pray for you. And so if you'll just bow your heads. I'm just going to just lead you in a time of prayer right now. God, I just want to pray for those right now who are taking a step towards you. 
And maybe they are in a season of waiting. And they feel like they can't wait any longer. God, I just pray that you would meet them right where they are at this moment. God, that you would would meet them in a profound way. God, that in the midst of this waiting, that you would just be this God who is with them, that you would never leave them as you promise you will never forsake them. God, I want to pray for those who are maybe ready right now to say yes to Jesus. They're ready to start a relationship with Jesus. They're ready to make Jesus their Lord and their Savior. God, I just pray that you would meet them at their place of need. And what that may mean is, for a lot of people, it may mean just setting down their own pride and to finally let you in and to say yes to you. So God, collectively, we surrender ourselves to Jesus. We say yes to him. And God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.